The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Would you take your Bibles this morning and turn to Philippians chapter number 1? Of course, last week we began uh, our series in the book of Philippians. Today, Philippians 1, 3 through 11, as we think about thankfully remembering you, you'll find that in verse number 3. And kind of the uh, tone of this little passage that's before us uh, is really broken into two sections we'll get to in a little while, but uh, a thankful section, uh, giving thanks, and then a section upon prayer. And I could think of no greater um, message to preach this morning for our 66-year homecoming than to think about all that the Lord has done for us here in this church over these great many years, and to be thankful for all that God has done and all that God is doing, and then at the same time to turn our life of prayer over to the Lord and pray for all that God is doing now and all that God will do in the coming days and years for our church here. So Philippians chapter number 1, verse number 3, I Thank my God upon all remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. And then he says, why? Making my prayer with joy because of your participation or because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And of this I am sure that he who began a good work in you he will accomplish it or He will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It is only right that I think this way about you, for I hold you close to my heart, for you are all partakers of grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and in the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Himself. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in all discernment. Why? So that you may affirm the things that are excellent. And here's the second part of the prayer. And so that you would be pure and blameless for the coming day of Christ being filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Amen? May the Lord add His blessing to the reading of His Word and to the proclamation of the Word. So would you join me for a word of prayer So I call upon the Lord to help us at this time. Our Father, we do come to You now. We thank You for such wonderful music, ways to lift our hearts and souls and minds and voices to heaven. We pray that You would be pleased with all of our worship today. And now, as we look back at this text, Father, that You would teach us to be more like Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will thank You for it, for it is in His name that we pray. Amen. And so in the time that we have today, let me just make uh, three points from uh, this uh, passage. The first one is, uh, are you, maybe just questions to think about, are you thankful for a church that participates in the gospel? Are you thankful for a church that participates or partners 
in the gospel. Look back down at your text, if you would. He says, I thank my God on all remembrance of you. I was thinking, uh, Connie and I were on sabbatical for about three weeks, and we enjoyed the time, and you know, we got an opportunity to go back uh, to Chattanooga, where we got married, where we went to college together, and I hope you don't take offense to this, but we just disengaged for a little bit and didn't think about all the problems for a little while. And uh, it was great, but do you know, there was a time there where uh, in the morning time I was praying, I was thinking especially of this passage, and every time I would think about our church back here, my heart was thankful. I thank my God on all remembrance of you. Always, in every prayer of mine, he says, making my prayer with joy. And so our thankfulness that we should have for our church that participates in the gospel basically is rooted in three areas. And that is joy, and that is confidence, and that is love. And look what he says. Look back down to the text. He says, he says this. He says, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. And why does he have joy? He says, because of your participation or because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The word, therefore, uh, partnership or participation is the same Greek word for which we get ours, the uh, koinonia. Of course, you know in November we have a great dinner here with all of our people, and we call that koinonia every year. That's this word. It means partnership, fellowship. It means a bonding that comes only to those people who have been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that it is a Christian kind of love. And Paul here, he says, my thankfulness is rooted in joy over you because you are partnering together with me for the gospel. Are you thankful today? Do you have a great joy in your heart that you are a part of a church, that you are involved in a church here that is taking the gospel to the ends of the world and partnering with other people and giving Jesus to the world? Do you have great joy in your heart over that? There's a lot of people that have joy or happiness over many other things in their life. And, I, and of course, somebody said to me today, they said, Pastor Steve, I'm sure that the Seminoles will not make it into your sermon today. <laughs> well, they made it in, but in a bad way. My team got beat down yesterday. But you know, sometimes my team brings me great joy. And uh, when they beat NC State here in a few weeks, there'll be even greater joy. No, I'm just messing with you. But you think about the things that bring you joy and comfort and happiness in your life. Are you really rejoicing that you are a part of a church that is participating in the gospel of Jesus Christ and reaching men and women and boys and girls so that their never dying souls don't go out into eternity, but they're redeemed by the grace of God and they spend a lifetime and eternity with Jesus in heaven. Are you happy about that? Our thankfulness is rooted in joy. But not only is it rooted in joy, look back down at the text, it is rooted in a confidence of what God does for His people. And of this I am sure, maybe your version might say, and being confident of this very thing, that He, that is God, not you, not me, not my ability, not all of our skills, not all that we can accomplish, but that He that has begun a good work in us will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. 
Brothers and sisters, I don't know what your week was like. Maybe you had a mountaintop experience or maybe you were dragging the bottom of the barrel wherever you found yourself this week. I want to give you an encouraging word from God's Scriptures that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that God has started a work inside of you. He has brought you to repentance and faith in Christ. He has given you a new heart. The Bible says that we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. God has taken away the old he is put on the new, and He will complete that work. Amen? I'll tell you why we're thankful today here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Do we have a good building? We're thankful for it. Do we have good grounds? Yes. Do we have great talent? We appreciate all that God has done for us. But I'll tell you what we are thankful for. We are thankful that God Almighty, through His Son, has begun a good work in us, and He will see it to the end of days. Amen? There are times in our life where we feel like we are alone, like we are outcasts, like we are marginalized. You may feel like when you go to a, a job that it's dead end or that you've not done everything that you've wanted to in life. You may feel like you have made some bad decisions and hurt your life and hurt people around you. But if you are in Jesus Christ, all of your sins are washed away and He has given you new life and He will carry you to the end of days. Amen. Our thankfulness today for this church is rooted in joy. And it is rooted in the confidence that Jesus Christ has brought us salvation and Jesus Christ will carry us to the end. And it is also rooted in love. Look what he says. It, it's only right for me to think this way about you. Why does Paul say that it's right for me to have joy and confidence? It's only right for me to think this way about you, for I hold you in my heart. The word there is a, a binding. It, it brings one close. It is when you hold arm in arm and walk into battle together. He says, I hold you very dear in my own heart. And then what does he say behind that? For every one of you, you are partakers of grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, of His grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. Do you know what Paul says about these people? He says, I hold you tightly. I love you. I'm rejoicing in you because you're partakers of grace. I'm in this Mamertine prison. I'm wasting away, but I'm giving the gospel. My heart and my life is hurting, but I'm after Jesus Christ, and you are supporting me even in the depths of this prison. And not only are you only supporting me in prison, but in the defense. The word there for defense is the same word that we get, apologia or apologetics, which means the defense of the gospel, of the Word of God, that we give people a reasonable understanding of why we believe the Christian faith. And he says, you're partakers of grace with me, in, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. You want to know what the confirmation of the gospel is? The existence of the church at Philippi and the existence of of this church for the last 66 years. The way that we know that the gospel conquers all the evil in the world and will one day rule is that there are still men and women and boys and girls all around the world and in this city and in this building today who are coming to faith in Jesus Christ and serving Him and loving Him and their lives are the testimony that they have been changed from the old way of living to the new way of Jesus Christ. Amen? You see, the gospel is sown down into corruptible people like you and me. 
the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus is sown down deep into the corruptible life that I have. And what, is ha what happens to it? It is raised incorruptible. It is sown into the dishonorable lives of all the people in this room who have come short of the glory of God and sinned in your life. And it is raised in an honorable way so that our lives reflect the glory of God in every day that we live. God's gospel is ruling the world and will bring all the nations to rejoice over Him. While we were on, uh, while we were on sabbatical, Connie and I were driving through North Carolina and we, saw a, uh, we drove by a church and out on the marquee of the church it said, this is what it said, we are thankful for our steeple. Now, brothers and sisters, <laughs> if you have a new steeple, there's nothing wrong with being thankful for it. If you had a steeple and it fell down and then you got it refurbished, that's wonderful. Be thankful for a steeple. But in my opinion, if you're going to put something on the marquee of your church that the entire lost world that's riding by sees and you're going to say to them one thing that you are thankful for, please, for heaven's sakes, don't make it be the steeple, right? What are we most thankful for? We should be most thankful for the glory of God revealed in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that brings us our salvation. The very anchor of our soul, the hope for all mankind is in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you're here today, we want you to know this church worships Jesus. We believe that He is the divine Son of God. We believe that He came into the world, that He died on an old rugged cross. And when He did, He took all of your sin and all of your shame and all of your guilt and every bit of the baggage that you have into His very life. And He was beaten and bloodied and He hung on a cross and He died in shame before the whole world naked. And three days later on the morning morning of the third day, alive, flesh and bone, bodily, Jesus rose from the grave, the stone was rolled away, Christ came out, and He lives forevermore. And today, right in your own heart, if you'll say, I am a sinner, I've come short of the glory of God, I want to lay down the weapons of my pride and my arrogance and my selfishness, and I want to give my whole life to Jesus Christ, He will save you. That's the good news of the gospel. He'll change you from the inside out. And we're thankful. Let's be a thankful church today. Thankful for our 66 years. Thankful for what God is doing now. Thankful for what the Lord will do in the future. And let our thankfulness be rooted in joy. Let it be rooted in the confidence of what God is doing through Christ. And let it be rooted in a love for Jesus and a love for each other. Let me give you a second point today. Do you pray for Christ-like maturity in every church member? you pray for that? First of all, do you pray for Christ-like maturity in your own life? <laughs> you know, some of us, you might have said, yes, you better believe it. I pray for old Bobby over there and Susie over there. She needs a whole bunch of us. Miss Susie, I'm not saying anything about you. 
You might pray for everybody else, but do you pray for yourself? Do you pray for Christ-like maturity in your own life? And do you pray for Christ-like maturity in the life of every believer in the church? Pick up reading there. It says, For God is my witness how I yearn for you with the affection of Christ. And then he says here, this is my prayer in your text. You want to make sure that you pick up on both this. The prayer that he has in verse 9-11 through 11 is in two parts. And for those of you that study Greek in here, it's a henna clause. But in your English Bibles, it'll be a that clause. So he says, here. And this I pray, that, first of all, that your love may abound more and more. The very first thing that the Apostle Paul prays is that you would love Jesus Christ and love each other more and more every day because the lost and dying world around us needs to see that kind of love. What did Jesus say is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what's the second? To love your neighbor as yourself. I pray that your love may abound more and more. But then notice here what this is rooted in as well. This doesn't just uh, come to us in a flowery way like when you say, I say, I love chocolate cake. I love ice cream. I don't love ice cream. I lust after ice cream, okay? <laughs> to love somebody is to will their good. He says, I pray that your love may abound more and more. And then look what it's rooted in. In knowledge. God wants you to know something about His Word and about Christ Jesus Himself. I want you to have this knowledge. Later on in the book of Philippians, this is what Paul says. He says, I count everything in my life as dung, as refuse, that I may know, it's the same word, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. The Apostle Paul is praying for us as a church that our love would grow, but that it would grow out of the knowledge of the Word of God and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Not only to grow in knowledge, but then what does it say in your Bible? In, all, in knowledge and all discernment. Real love is discerning love. Real love learns to look at everything that's coming into the world through the movies, through the music, through your culture, through your school, through your friends, through your workplace, and it learns how to discern what is of God, what is of Christ, what is of the Word, and what is not. And to truly love each other and to truly love Christ, we must have a love that is rooted in knowledge and in all discernment. Why? Why does He want that to take place? that you may approve the things that are excellent. That's a compound word you'll find in the book of Philippians. There are compound words all over the place. And it means to test by the light of the sun. To hold something up. To approve the things that are excellent. To make sure that the way that you're living and the things that are coming into your life and that separation and holiness as a believer, that you are seeing it the way that Christ would see it if He were living your life. You say, Steve, is that really applicable? Abounding that your love would grow in knowledge, in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent. I tell you, I was just speaking to our group on, uh, on uh, Friday. Yes, every area of your life that you can think about, you need the kind of love that has knowledge and discernment and can accurately affirm the things that are excellent. You're about to vote in an election in a couple of months. Are you going to listen to the news or are you going to vote in a biblical and a Christly way? In your relationships, in your work life, in your friendships, in your addictions, you need to grow in love 
and in knowledge and in discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent and Christly. Here's the second part of the prayer. Look back down at what it says. And so that, and so that you might be pure and blameless. The Apostle Paul here is praying not only that your love would abound in knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent, but he's praying that you would be pure and blameless for the coming of Jesus Christ. Isn't that what we read in verse number 2 last week? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and to all the saints in Christ Jesus. There's a holiness, there's a righteousness about God's people. And I told you last week, you don't have to be the weirdo Christian, you know, that, uh, you know, is oddball all the time. But I want to say that to be a Christian is to be different than the world. And I know that's not a real popular message anymore. But to be a biblical Christian is to have your heart and mind set toward Jesus Christ. And the life that you live is pure, clean, and blameless. And sadly, there are a lot of Christians in this world that live unclean lives and they are blameworthy. And we live as hypocrites. And the lost and dying world around us sees that and they do not come to Jesus. My admonition to you is to be the kind of person, be the kind of believer that seeks to live a holy, pure, and blameless life before the Lord. Why in the text? For His coming. Jesus is coming again. And when He comes, what kind of life will He find you living? Let me make one last point here. It's found in the end of verse number 11. Does the glory of God motivate all of our actions as believers? Does the glory of God motivate all of our actions as believers? Look at what it says here. He says, uh, he says here that uh, you be pure and blameless for the coming of Christ and then being filled, right? Being filled, it's a passive way here. Not that you're the one doing all the filling. Not that you're the one doing all the work, but God is doing the work. And what you're supposed to do is let God do the work on you. Submit to His leadership. Surrender your life to Him. And let the Lord do the work on you. Being filled with the fruit of righteousness. Where else do we find the fruit of righteousness, right? In the book of Ephesians. Right? The fruit of the Holy Spirit of God, love and joy and peace and long-suffering and patience and kindness, all of the work of the Holy Spirit is taking place in our lives so that we become transformed into the kind of people that love Jesus and live like Jesus lives. Being filled with the fruit of righteousness. And now notice here that the glory of God must motivate all of our actions. Where does the fruit of righteousness come from? The fruit of righteousness through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. This fruit of righteousness doesn't come from you. It is not your best effort. It is not that you go out here on the road and you say, this week I'm going to do my best and God is going to love me because I have lived a good life. No, the truth of the matter is you live a failing life and so do I. But if you'll surrender yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ and open up your heart and ask Him to teach you and ask Him to change you, 
He will bring His righteousness, His goodness, His life into you. It's His, not yours. Don't you see here that when the glory of God motivates our actions, it takes away all of our pride and it causes us to be humble before the Lord. It's not my righteousness, it's His righteousness. And then look at the last part of the text. Through the righteousness, through Christ Jesus, for the glory and the praise of God. For the glory and the praise of God. Our righteousness comes from Christ Jesus, and that righteousness is in turn for God and His glory. Maybe you could think about it this way. Whatever is done for the glory of God results in the praise of God, and whatever is done for the glory of man results in the praise of man. And as a church, we've got to be the kind of people that every day of our life and every week of our church, we say what we do and what we say and where we go and the way we present ourselves to our neighborhood and to the lost world around us, that we do this for the glory and the honor and the praise of God Almighty and not for ourselves. Amen? That's what the Lord wants us to do today as we celebrate 66 years here in this church. How will we last another 66 years? By being thankful for what the Lord has done in Christ. By praying for gospel maturity, Christian maturity in our lives. And by doing everything that we do to the glory of the Lord. Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment? Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And My friends, those of you who are here today, maybe just take a moment to pray quietly, would you? If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, what I talked about earlier about Christ coming into the world and dying for your sins and being raised on the third day and that if you would turn from your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ completely, that He would save you and give you new life. If you have never had a moment in your life where that has become a distinct reality, where you have laid down trusting in yourself and you have picked up trusting in Jesus Christ alone, right now where you are, right now, I'm not calling you out. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm not asking you to do anything, but as everybody's just praying and quietly there for yourself, this is the moment. Give yourself to Jesus. And with sincerity and humility and brokenness, if you find the desire inside of your heart to trust Christ, He will save you. When this day is over and we're eating food and all is fun, I want to urge you to tap me on the shoulder or Brian or Jamie and let us talk with you. You come to Christ in one moment of conversion, but you live for Christ through a lifelong pilgrimage. And we want to help you with that.
Maybe you're here today and you've been a part of this church for a few years or many years. And you've taken for granted what we have here. Maybe you'd ask the Lord to help you to be thankful with joy, with confidence, with love. And maybe this would be a day for you to pray for yourself and for every other believer in this room to mature in the faith. To mature in love and to mature in holiness. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.